0: Oh, good. Somebody's sitting in the first four rows. <laughs> oh, all right. <laughs> I did wear this shirt yesterday. Yeah, actually, that's why. That's why you're not wearing. Sitting in those rows. <laughs> um. So yeah, well, I had a great time at the ball game. I, I think uh, it was. Uh, 90 people or something like that, that went? I mean, that's incredible. It always makes you kind of raise an eyebrow, like when, when the things, uh, things that we do around here, the people go, yes, I'm in. And then, bam, 90 people show up to a baseball game. Um, and, it, you know, I didn't say this. Uh, please turn with me to the book of James, chapter 1. We're going to continue in our series in James. And didn't Steve Chastain do a fantastic job last week? I mean, just, if you haven't heard it, um, really, it's, it's up on the, on the website. Strongly, strongly recommend um, taking a listen because it, it's, um, it's going to flow very naturally into the rest of the text as we spend our time, our summer, in James. Um, but I was thinking about Steve's sermon this week a lot. Thinking about it uh, yesterday while we were at the baseball game, take me out to the ball game, take me out to the crowd, buy me some peanuts and Cracker Jack, I don't care if I ever get back, let me root, root, root for the home team. And here's the trick, if they don't win, it's a shame. (laughs) For it's... (laughs) It's a shame. Or it's one, two, three strikes, you're out at the old ball game. Meaning that, you know what, um, the Orioles actually have a pretty good record, I don't know them off the top of my head, but on the on the rubber matches, when, when we win the first one and lose the second one, I think we have a pretty good record on those third and taking the series, which is really uh, the most important thing is taking the series. Um, but the thing that connected to me to What uh, Steve had talked about last week, count it all joy. You know, what does that mean? What does it mean when we introduce themes or um, life experiences like cancer into the mix, um, war, uh, crime, injustice? When we think about that and we think about these various trials and temptations that we struggle through, that God puts, um, or that, that we, uh, we encounter as we go through this life, count it all joy. A baseball game is really neat because unlike a football game, which one loss can actually be very significant, one loss for a baseball game may not be, at least at this point in the season before the all-star break. At this point in the season, you're just trying to keep it up. You're trying to keep that rhythm going. You know what? If they don't win today, it's a shame. It is a shame. We want to win. But it is one, two, three strikes, you're out, and that's the game. That's a baseball game. That's how baseball works. That's how life works. You are going to wake up And some days you're going to strike out. I don't mean to ruin it for you. (laughs) But you're going to strike out. And unfortunately, it's going to happen often. Our text this morning, I think, flows out of that. Because it's going to start giving us um, wisdom like literature. Literature. It's going to be almost um, bullet points, some people have said, some commentators say. Um, these uh, sections of James, the way James is structured, you know, we know very little about um, exactly who wrote it, you know, and, and specifically where it was written to, who was the first ones to read it. There's a lot of conjecture about that. But we do see that it echoes a bit of Proverbs, that as we look through it, and we kind of look at it maybe line for line or sentence for sentence, it does echo a bit of Proverbs and that Jewish wisdom literature. So we look and start in verse 19. So my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. For the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. I think there's a lot more to this sane, then um, there is no more. Uh, this, this is no more a proverb against anger and wrath necessarily as it is against speaking. We are to be slow to speak and slow to wrath even if at times our anger may be justified. Anger is an emotion. And at times when we experience injustice, when we experience things like Uh, these various trials and temptations, we may be angry at that, especially if we feel that our anger is justified at the moment. Now, how we combat that is by listening. Many in the Christian community, you know, in the Christian community, I think we place a high value on eloquent eloquent speech, Um, but James here is really instead putting uh, value on the listening. It's, it's interesting, I think, that if you surveyed um, non-Christians, uh, or if you surveyed Christians, if you surveyed Americans, if you surveyed people around the world in general, when they start talking about what is it that Christians are good at, what is it that, that Christians are known for, you probably would come up with an awful lot of people saying something about how Christians are good speakers, or at least the leaders in the Christian church are frequently really dynamic speakers. Um, Even if you ask the random people on the street, they probably would say, well, yeah, Billy Graham is one heck of a speaker. Um, But James here is is putting instead this value on listening. I, I mean, is for you, is Christianity about listening? ooh, we're Christians, we, that means we're a good listener. I mean, what if Christians were known for being great listeners? What if you had a business deal or um, um, went to see a Christian movie or, or I don't know, whatever, whatever it is you did, you had a Christian friend, and you're like, well, this person is a Christian, so obviously they're going to be a good listener. This person is a believer in Christ, so I know I can go to them and they're going to have an ear. They're going to be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. We are to combat speaking too hastily with this willingness to listen. God gave you two ears and one mouth. Take a hint. And it's funny, that it, not funny, James actually invokes God here. He mentions God and says that no amount of our own anger um, and wrath... Which is really interesting, by the way, that 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 James would, or that the uh, the New King James that I'm reading from here would would use the word wrath in regards to like my own wrath. Because I'll be honest with you, my wrath. You know, if if I was to like execute all my wrath on Norm, you'd be all right. (laughs) I'm just telling you. In all honesty, like wrath, no. Um, In all honesty, I'd probably make you dinner or something. But um, (laughs) we have this lie that we tell ourselves, that this this anger that we have at this thing, this is going to help make things right. Um, Exhortation may be needed. Correction, perhaps. Encouragement, perhaps. And these things are all things that can be done well. Um, Anger is an emotion that, as one uh, commentator puts it, is patience reaching its limit. And our anger may be, like I said before, it may be an appropriate response to something that we've experienced. Or on the other hand, we all know um, that it can turn quite ugly. Uh, But it's going to take us doing business with our emotions uh, to move on in a Christ-honoring way. Moving on to verse 21. Therefore, lay aside all filthiness an overflow of wickedness, and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. Now, I am a believer in this phrase of garbage in, garbage out. Um, When I first, uh, uh, the first time I got to preach at New Hope, I preached on rock and roll. We were doing this series on um, idolatry and the different things in our lives that get in the way of our worship to God. And um, my topic was to talk about this idea of music and the role that music plays in our own culture and the role that uh, rock music in sp- uh, specifically had played in my own life. And basically, the point of the sermon was that, you know what, the truth of the matter is that as we go through life, as we listen to different music, as we go to different movies, um, uh, plays, whatever it is you do that really makes kind of you escape or um, kind of refresh your batteries, um, that the point is not necessarily to have this like well-defined list about things like, well, I need to not listen to this band, I need to not listen to this band, but I really need to listen to this band, and you know these kind of uh, legalization of that, or not legal, um, legalism of that, can kind of get in the way sometimes. Rather, the point, the point of that sermon was that that Jesus needed to be the center. Jesus wanted to be the center of everything, and that very well may be that there are concerts or uh, that you have no business being at. There are movies that, honestly, you have no business being at, because they're really not going to produce... Any kind of fruit in you. But Jesus is the center of that discernment. Your relationship with Jesus is going to be the thing that helps you struggle through that. I'm, um, I was really excited. I, I haven't found anybody yet to go see Pearl Jam with me, but I, I found that Pearl Jam is going to come to the, uh, to the Baltimore Arena in the, the, in the fall. And I was all excited about it, and I'm trying to think, well, you know, Pearl Jam's not a Christian band. And, I'll be, I'll be all right going to Pearl Jam. Yeah, I, I, think I, I think I like that music. It's kind of cool. And, you know, if somebody would you know, go with me, then that would be cool. But the idea is that my relationship with Jesus comes first. Nothing else is going to get in the way of that, or nothing else should be in the way of that. Um, no list of rules, definitely. And I think that this here is why house churches are so unbelievably vitally Very important. And I would beg you, please, if you are not currently in a house church, and as you struggle with these things, as you try to figure out how to navigate this stuff, as you try to figure out, well, what stuff should I be staying away from? What stuff should I dive into? It is your house church, friends, that is going to help you work through that. It's your house church that's going to help you figure out the trials and temptations that are in your life. It's your house church that's going to be there when no one else is there. Be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourself. For if anyone is a hearer of the word, and not a doer, he's like a man, observing his natural face in a mirror. For he observes his face, goes away, and immediately forgets what the kind of man he was. But if he looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it and is not a forgetful hearer but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. Now, in the ancient world, it actually would have made sense that uh, mirrors were made of polished metal, so not everybody actually owned one, Um, and even less people actually had their portraits painted. So, conceivably, it was possible that you could forget what you look like. Um, especially if you only catch a glimpse of yourself every now and then. The goal of Scripture or the the role that Scripture can play in our lives is this mirror of the soul's need for grace. It, It reveals our true character to us, and it works in and through us. See, God's Word isn't just about information getting uh, from the page to your brain, we believe that it actually does things. We believe that it actually changes things. One commentator says that it, it brings about a new and lasting state of affairs. Here with help from Isaiah 55, James shows us that it is God's word being sown or planted, producing beautiful shrubs and fruit, uh, fruitful harvests. Um, Isaiah says in 55, chapter 55, For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven, and do not return there until they have watered the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose." and succeed in the thing for which I sent it. On on that verse, Walter Brueggemann, who's this commentator, awesome commentator, says this about that verse. He says, the consequential power of Yahweh is here likened to rain or snow. Rain and snow are not phantoms, but are real forceful powers that produce something tangible in the earth that is growth and life and future. They water the earth, and the result, regularly and reliably, is that the earth is nourished. Creation is sustained and the food chain is maintained. Yahweh's word of promise and summons is like that. It's not idle chatter or religious fantasy. It is substantive utterance carrying with it the full weight of Yahweh's majestic rule. Snow and rain are not ineffective. Yahweh's word is not empty verbiage. It will work. It will guarantee. It will produce. Rain and snow cause food. The word produces things in our lives. What's your relationship? you were thinking about that, praying about that right now, what is your answer? Is it something that you go to? Is it something that you crave? Apparently, for James's readers, the concept of a Christian coming to hear the word and then nothing really happening might not be that uncommon. And that might be kind of comforting, that even they were feeling and struggling with that. That may in turn be comforting for us in a way, but it also challenges us to do the necessary business with God to get you into the habit of being in the Word. Are you having a quiet time? Sometimes um, certain Christians have uh, developed this rhythm of life, where they say in the morning, or in the evening, or whatever it is, this is my time to be with the Lord. This is my time with prayer. This is my time um, to be in the Word, studying the, uh, God's, um, God's uh, Bible. Is there a time and a place for you that this is supposed to happen? Like, is it actually on your calendar? Um, I'll be very, very honest with you. I am a horrible reader. I am bad at it. I've been bad at it for ever, for as long as I could possibly remember. When I read something, my mind just completely drifts. I, I can't well, it's not that I can't do it. Um, I'm just really bad at it. And over the course of time, I've started to develop a little bit better um, skills at it, but um, I've also noticed the immeasurable. Gift that reading can do in my life, especially when um, I read scripture that says uh, that likens God and God's wisdom and God's will to to a word, and I think about how awful I am a reader. That gives me, you know, oh, I get a little nervous there. Um, so, what I did when I was struggling with that and tried to figure out you know, what do I do when, when I, I, I'm so bad at this thing, I hate this, uh, this, this idea of reading anything, let alone scripture, not the idea that I would hate reading scripture, but um, that I'm bad at reading. But So I go to, hopefully what you all should do is go to Jason Poling and see what he would have to say. And what he did was he said, well, what do you have at your disposal? What is it that you're working through? Uh, What is it that you can do? What is it that you have that uh, you can kind of take advantage of? And at the time, I had a ton of drive time. He said, well, why aren't you listening to things? Why don't you, you know, take the time to listen to sermons on tape, to listen to books on tape, to listen to um, uh, scripture on tape? And he gives me this whole big box of sermons and tapes and all this stuff, and it really did revolutionize my life. But what's it going to be for you? What is it going to be as you try to wrestle through this idea of um, uh, the changes that you need to make to kind of get into the word? Because if anything, if anyone among you thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his own heart, this one's religion is useless. Pure and undefiled religion before God and the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their trouble, and to keep oneself unspotted from the world. So just in case you thought all these words about these words being more than words were just words, they're not. (laughs) This is a guess, but this is probably a circular letter that James is writing here, um, and it would have been read aloud. So the idea of maybe the homeless and the helpless being an earshot of this being read is a pretty decent guess, I'd imagine. If you want to follow God's way, there are going to be people out there that need your help. It's going to be a messy world, and it's going to try to mess you up, but there are people that need your help. There is a tangible sense to this faith. It's how it works out. We need to focus on the former and avoid the latter. Focus on helping others and avoiding the latter. So there's these kind of different proverbs, and I kind of jumped around a lot there. There's a lot of different kind of uh, directions that we could go with this. But I was really struck, and I'm going to read the whole thing again, but this time I'm going to read Eugene Peterson's translation of it. And this is beautiful. If you haven't spent um, time in the messages uh, translation of the Book of James, I strongly recommend it. It's incredible. And this is his quote, uh, um, translation of this, of this text. Post this at all the intersections, dear friends. Lead with your ears, follow up with your tongue, and let anger strangle along in the reel. Straggle along in the rear. God's righteousness doesn't grow from human anger, so throw all spoiled virtue and cancerous evil in the garbage. In simple humanity, let our gardener God landscape you with the Word, making a salvation garden of your life. Don't fool yourself into thinking that you're a listener when you're anything but, letting the Word go in one ear and out the other. Act on what you hear those who hear and don't act are like those who glance in a mirror, walk away, and two minutes later have no idea what, who they are and what they look like. But whoever catches a glimpse of the revealed counsel of God, the free life, even out of the corner of his eye, and sticks with it, it, is no distracted scatterbrain, but a man or woman of action. That person will find delight and affirmation in that action, Anyone who sets himself up as religious by talking a good game is self-deceived. This kind of religion is hot air and only hot air. Real religion, the kind that passes muster before God, the Father, is this. Reach out to the homeless and the loveless in their plight. Guard against corruption from this godless world. The text is calling us to... Obedient ears, observant eyes, a controlled tongue, and a helpful hand. It's wisdom that we need to be walking towards. The virtues that Scripture is going to help us with are going to help us do those four things. but we need to do the work with each other. We need each other to help um, work through it, and we need prayer as well. And this is going to flesh itself out on kind of large-scale issues, but it's also going to be kind of present in our day-to-day lives. On Friday, uh, this coming Friday, my wife Amy and I will celebrate ten years married. Now, we got married when uh, we were both 21. I was unemployed. She was in school, and I should have been in school. There were a lot of ducks that we didn't have in a row. There were a lot of things that we definitely had um, logically. Just, it wasn't, didn't seem like it could have not been the right time. If this was all on paper and kind of the black and white This was not the right thing to do. But if I was being honest with God, if I was using an obedient ear, an observant eye, a controlled tongue, and a helping hand, there was no other option. It was the absolutely right thing to do at the moment. And I have Zero question about that in my life. That my marriage to Amy has been the most important thing in my life ever. Save for my relationship with Christ. And my relationship with Christ is only deepened by her. I needed to be listening to God at that time. I needed to work through that. I'm glad I did. We're going to take communion now. We're going to come to the Lord and we're going to consider the business that needs to be done. The confession that needs to be done. The sins that have gotten in the way of our relationship with Him. Our communion table at New Hope is an open table. And we invite all those who call upon the name of Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior to come forward. Now, if you don't worship Jesus as King, you should not feel obligated to participate. The bread is unleavened, the red is wine, the white is grape juice. Now, please stand and join as churches throughout the centuries have done in the reading of the Nicene Creed.